Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 51 for Monday, August 5th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me, as always, is my good friend Joel Duggan. Hey, Joel. Hello, hello, hello. And it is Patron Appreciation Day. It is the first day of the of the first podcast of the month, and so we always like to extend a bit of thanks to our patrons, especially now we're moving into a full year of the show. There are people who've been supporting us for nearly a full year on Patreon, and we want to tip our hats to those people, especially and anyone else who's come in to support us. Also, while we've got our hats off, we may as well come to you hat in hand and remind you that for as little as $1 per show, which is about 4 or $5 a month, you dear listener can support the show and get access to bonus content like the render distance our discord community and other stuff we feel like road testing with our patrons because we've been thinking about it as the year rolls on and as we've kind of been doing the podcast for longer and longer we've come up with a variety of patron rewards kind of on the fly that have been they weren't necessarily offered when we started our patreon campaign to begin with so right it's a constantly evolving beast and i thought it was worth reminding folks as we as we move into a year of the show that uh, things are things are moving forward all the time absolutely and and the forward momentum is very much influenced by the discord and by the people that are are members of the spawn chunks because we always ask like hey does this is this a good idea do you guys what do you guys think about this uh we have a couple of smaller chat rooms that are uh, you know um reserved for some of the people that support us at the higher levels to talk about a little bit more of the technical side of things but when it comes to rewards that are going to be available to everybody we always just post them in the general chat and be like hey so we're thinking about doing this what do you guys think especially when it comes to like the format of the show content of the show because everybody listens to that right and uh, if nothing else, we get a nice update about what everyone's been doing in Minecraft lately. So uh, what have you been doing in Minecraft lately, Joel? Well, it's been mostly on the admin side. I launched my very first community server. So if you are supporting me on Patreon, then you can take a look at Infinity Cove, which I think is a, a very lovely name. And I have to give it's a, a solid a, name. A, I do. It is. And I have to give a, a solid shout out to uh, Cosmic Dancer, who's one of our mods in the Spawn Chunks and is a mod on my uh, Twitch and volunteered to be a mod on the server. Uh, she and I came up with the name. It was very much kind of a back and forth between her and I just kind of brainstorming and stuff like that. Uh, she was very excited to get on the server. So uh, we uh, we talked about it a lot. So thank you very much for that. It's a great. It's a very, very cool name. Uh, and, uh, we have like seven or eight people in there already, which is fantastic. And I learned a lot about researching, you know, the kind of server that I want, where I wanted it located. Uh, the people over at cubed host, uh, they host the Citadel, my, my current server that I play on. Uh, but they also now host infinity cove. They were very helpful. And something that I thought I would point out for people that are looking at starting a server, whether it's for your family or whether it's for friends. Uh, the people at Cubetoast were nice enough to point out that while I was looking for something with a certain amount of RAM to handle a certain number of uh, players online at one time, they also recommended one of their specific locations in Montreal because the single threading on the processing there benefits Java Minecraft, whereas the other locations uh, don't have that feature. And while it still runs fine, you'll get a little bit of a bump if you if you think about the location and what processing might be happening there so word of the wise if you're thinking about uh looking into a um a server hosting provider then ask them about the threading and what locations might be best for the kind of content that you want to run now i don't know how that applies to potential like bedrock or windows 10 edition i would imagine it doesn't matter as much i think the single threading was specifically java because yeah. i had specified that when i asked them about a server and told them about my plans uh so 
so yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, popping on there and looking around. I will not be playing. I, I kind of mentioned that on my Discord that it's not it's not something I'm going to have time to play in personally very often. I do want to pop in and look around though. I think it's important to you know engage and and look around and see what the cool people are doing. But already we're seeing an uptick in just people hanging out and doing fun stuff, and it's um, I'm very thankful for the very kind and welcoming community that I have kind of gathered over the last year or so a very similar to the, to the same kind of community we have here on the sponge chunk so it's been very fun to see people get really excited about that kind of stuff and hop in on ground one and and I have to say as much as I don't ever want to reset the citadel it was kind of exciting to pop into a brand new Minecraft world that had nothing. Oh, yeah. Zip, yeah, no, that, you know. Having, having that fresh server smell is, mm-hmm. is always really nice. It, it's it's something that I've been thinking about more and more with the survival guide world. It's something that I don't necessarily want to reset ever because I plan on just making tutorials from that world so I've got all of the stuff going forward. But if I did eventually reset and do kind of like a season two of the survival guide, how I would do things differently and leaving some stuff open to more kind of creative projects down the road that i closed off to myself this time around by Mm -hmm. say starting a a house and everything at the spawn area instead of leaving that open for farms that would work in the spawn chunks and that kind of stuff so yeah it's it's cool to to start afresh and have a new perspective on what you want to do with that server even if it's something that like with this server you're saying you're going to be a bit more hands-off and let the people who want to play on the server play for themselves it's still kind of neat to to hop in and see what's going on and I, I want to, I'm looking for it desperately here. I thought I mentioned it. I was going to write it down here for the show notes, but, uh, I, I wanted to share the, uh, seed because I'm a little jealous <laughs> of the yeah. infinity code member, uh, cove members because the world seed, ah, found it. Okay. Hey, it is minus one, eight, eight, one, five, four, seven, one, six, eight. Go check that out. Uh, if you look at this seed and think, ooh, that sounds like something would be really fun to play on. Well, I, I have a place that you can join in some very fun people and play with. But if you're just looking to do it, you know, some fun stuff on your own or maybe with your own family. Uh, I did move spawn. Spawn was kind of like in the middle of a desert, which is kind of a weird location. I, I moved the spawn and did some admin stuff. Uh, spawn is now at like negative 800, uh, 2500 mm-hmm. Z. But uh, it has got basically every rare biome and every biome in the game within a thousand blocks of nice uh, yeah no in it and in interesting interesting ways uh in ways that you don't normally encounter like oh here's a here's a mesa biome and oh hey it's a huge mesa biome and it has an eroded mesa biome in the middle of it that's also ginormous and it's just like holy crap it uh, really really interesting stuff uh so i'm i'm quite excited about it and i learned quite a bit uh, setting that up, uh, learning how to move spawn, uh, refreshing my mind about how to find the spawn chunks, how to find your spawn block, all that kind of stuff. Um, so for anybody that's looking for a refresher and that kind of thing, you know, setting up your own server, it's 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 not as hard as you think. Uh, I hadn't done it in a while, so I was like, oh gosh, it's been like two years, so I should maybe look into how this is going to go. But a couple of quick videos on YouTube and I was right up to snuff. Um, and then I guess on the Citadel side of things for me, again, I haven't had time to play. Uh, and also, uh, it's just the, it's been impossible to do any content creation because of, of, um, the, the warm summer weather. However, I, speaking of YouTube videos, watched one of yours and went back and checked out episode 110 of the Minecraft survival guide. 
Uh, that's the first Wither Skeleton Farm. Uh, okay. Right, thank you, you for did. reminding me because I was I was, yep. I was scrubbing through my memory trying to think <laughs> what was one ten. It's there's so many of them now. It's nearly two hundred at this point. I can't remember what any of them are. I was trying <laughs> so... to speak slowly because I wanted to see how long I could torture you and try to get you to remember. But <laughs> uh, but in that you use and show everybody how to use the bounding box outline re reloaded. Yep. Yes, uh, yes, yes, mod. yes. Such a good and, mod. And so because I was talking about the uh, the mega farm on the crossroads of another fortress last week, I decided, hmm, before I commit to this, I'm at a stage now on the Citadel where I don't really think it's necessarily outside of the realm of vanilla gameplay for me to uh, load up a single player seed and go looking for some good locations to do some cool content. And I just wanted to make sure before I... Uh, build a farm on this nether fortress which i discovered the old-fashioned way and is within 300 blocks of the nether hub so it's like mega close yeah. uh i wanted to make sure that that was the best kind of situation within reasonable walking distance in the nether for this farm turns out it is and i have to say between your video and 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 downloading and using that that uh bounding box outline reloaded mod wow that's a cool mod I, yes. I I want that kind of thing. That kind of thing should be should be available in Minecraft either as a data pack or or as a sim something similar to like when you turn on the chunk boundaries, you know, like in the debug screen. Yeah, when you press F three G and yeah. you see the the grid basically. Yeah. Like you should really be able to do that because it's so helpful and kind of demystify mm -hmm. some of the more technical and annoying things like block counting and all that kind of stuff. And uh no, I really I really had a lot of fun. I I double checked a couple of my farms, my existing nether or weather skeleton farm, wither skeleton farm. I think I said weather. Uh, the, the, <laughs> oh yes. Those weather skeletons yeah, that the, they're the adding in 1.50. Yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, they, um, the existing farm I have is going to be very easy to expand in the way that I thought, which is good. Cause I was like, I had my understanding of how nether fortresses worked and I thought, okay, well, I know that this should work. I want to double check it before I do with this mod. Of course I double checked it and I was right. So I'm glad that I did that. Uh, also, uh, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, to using it on this new, on the new, um, farm. It's going to be, it's going to be super, super cool, but it kind of made me realize I really want a better data pack out there and help me out sponge chunk listeners. If you know of one, uh, and, and you can help me out, uh, or you're a mod pack or, or, a um, data pack author, then please reach out. I would love to have a very clean and easy to use data pack for the mob spawning radius and the various mob spawning radius that occur in the game similar to like you know they don't spawn within 24 blocks of you anything outside of 32 blocks and they stop moving and then any, anything outside of 128 and they don't spawn at all because you see that 128 block radius circle crop up all the time when people are talking about efficient farms and counting it out is a pain in the butt yeah have you, know, you have you been to vanilla tweaks and checked out their spawning spheres data pack i have i'm pretty sure i have it on the citadel and i have not used it myself but i've watched the video and i've watched some of the videos that nembon has put out and while i i see them and i see that they function i also find that the gui on them is not great right uh, yeah i i kind of just wish they would just create like a colored box like a colored uh sphere as opposed to like i can't remember exactly how vanilla tweaks do it so forgive me if i'm not remembering because i like with with uh in nembom's video it was like 
flashing redstone dust or something at the border. It was it's, really, it's like it was particle, really, particle effects. Yeah, it was really hard to see. It's like that. That doesn't. I mean, to to the person that wrote it, sure, it's probably obvious. But for me, it's like I don't know. That seems a little bit weird. What I mm -hmm. would like to have is something very, you know, as if you've built a hundred and twenty-eight, you know, block sphere of glass that's what i would you know like yeah, to see yeah. but have it be like a transparency or something like that um again i haven't looked into whether or not you can tweak like you know have the have the 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 coding in, involved in the data pack and then just have someone go in and maybe change the texture that's used or something like that if, if it's easy to do that then i might look into it a little bit more but i really feel like that's the kind of thing that would be incredibly useful especially when you're trying to explain to perhaps younger players or people new to the game how these kind of mechanics on the more technical side work i think it could be very handy um for that kind of stuff yeah i think ultimately it comes down to what the in-game engine can render without the use of mods which is why if yeah. you have a data pack you're probably going to find it using like textures and and things that are and particle effects that are built into minecraft as standard because otherwise yeah you're having to radically alter some stuff which is why having curved spherical objects in minecraft is not really going to happen um so you know you'd probably be better off looking at mods for something like that if oh I, it doesn't available. have to be a yeah. sphere like in terms of in terms of a, a a geometrical sphere i'm thinking about like how you would normally build a, a circle in minecraft like the pixel right, by so pixel yeah. that's fine but i'm just thinking yeah. like uh i'm trying to remember i don't remember the name of it but in hermitcraft this year when they made their floor their map floor they used a mod i think or something that kind of like took pixel art from another Minecraft world and then did an overlay. So yeah, it was like it a was, transport. It was Lightmatica, I believe. Correct mm. me if I'm wrong, audience, but Lightmatica is the, the thing you're right. thinking of. But yeah. is that a mod or was that something that they could install on the server? Because like I think I think technically it's a client side mod. Okay, so I client side about that. But so Optifine is a client side mod, but that still yeah. runs with whatever it doesn't in, it doesn't interfere with running, you know, one fourteen four or something like that on the server. Like you don't have to you're not playing necessarily modded Minecraft. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like you have to have Forge or you have to have yeah. um, other stuff running. Um, so that's what I was thinking is, is that something like like that, but just like just make a pixel sphere you know similar to the kind of thing that you would generate on like plots.uk you know yeah yeah but but have it be in game and just so you just don't have to count and think about like you just place a bunch of blocks you're 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 spawn proofing this area until you get to the edge of your foggy blue box and you go oh that's the edge <laughs> you know like and then just yeah you don't have to worry about it right uh yes yeah because yeah, otherwise it just it's just a lot of a lot of work Speaking of uh mega farms in the nether though I've been I've been working on one of my own I'm finally finally forging ahead with the donut gold farm oh and, nice uh, yeah i'm i'm following loosely following eel mango's video i'm not doing everything the way he's doing it just because i a lot of the time when it comes to these bigger farms especially once i understand the mechanics involved i like to take one look maybe take a screenshot of what somebody else has done and then try and reproduce it if not from memory then just with my own understanding of how the mechanics function mm -hmm. and it's not ever going to be like the fully optimized version of it but i think i can do a good enough job that i'll be satisfied with it and that's you know going to give people who watch my series the foundation to go out and experiment with stuff themselves right and yeah i've got to the stage now where i've built the spawning platforms and for tomorrow's episode of the survival guide i'm going to be doing all of the rest of the stuff figuring out the you know kill mechanism and making sure that the spawn cycle continues and people have been telling me 
in the comments, frustratingly, that this farm is broken. And I entirely disagree <laughs> with that because it still spawns a ton of pigmen. So I, yeah. I think that's really the point. I, I feel like maybe there are still some aspects of it where zombie pigmen needing line of sight and the aggro chain not necessarily refreshing fast enough or, you know, going away after a couple of minutes to help out players who have died in the nether and need to go and reclaim their stuff. If I need to throw a, pi a, a snowball at a pigman every now and again to refresh the farm that's fine i don't mind babysitting it considering that i'm not on a server i'm not here to afk for it it's not just there to give me a ton of experience and gold while i let my computer do that i'm absolutely fine just babysitting it for a while and it's still the most efficient way of spawning pigmen so i feel kind of weird you know tackling all these people in my comments who are saying like why are you building this farm when it's not working in this it, no it is working just not in the ways that everybody wants it to work mm. you know it's perhaps not the most optimized thing in the world but it is still very effective at what it does and what it does is produce a great deal of gold yeah so i'm i'm fine with that um uh, speaking of gold i've also been farming gold in another way which is to make a giant drowned farm as well so like I, i'm definitely at the stage where go big or go home is the motto of the survival guide and i turned a river biome into a drowned farm by basically tracing the outline of the biome itself and then building that up in the sky so that drowned would spawn in a really large tank of water so that's been fun uh, and and it's actually got me a bunch of tridents a bunch of nautilus shells and a reasonable amount of gold by now so that that was another another interesting challenge one that i've never really taken on before but one that relied on very simple mechanics of just like how does this thing spawn and how can i get it over to me to kill it and that's really all it takes which is good because that's really what i'm able to do that's that's the the limit of what i can deal with technically speaking if there were more complex redstone contraptions then i would start to look something up but if it's just spawn a bunch of this stuff get it angry at you and then kill it then it's it's a lot easier for me to handle i think mm -hmm. so on the gold farm are you using the entity cramming with the minecarts is that how you're killing the... I, I will be yes i haven't yeah, set okay. that whole thing up yet oh, but that's, okay that's cool. the plan because right that seems to be the, yeah. the the fastest way to remove them from the mob cap, which is what spawns more pigmen and keeps them angry at you. Yep. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, exactly. That's and I, that's it. One of the things that I ran into with that farm, as it's been updated over the last little while in terms of pigmen um, pathing and stuff like that, I I found that the little baby pigmen were breaking it in that they yeah. weren't pathing to the minecart. So there's a I can't remember who did it. Probably Omango made another small snippet video. It's like three yeah. minutes or something like that. Where if you add magma blocks around the corners of your central area then for whatever reason the pigmen don't try to path over that and then they 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 re they recourse correct and they end up going back into the the minecarts um, yeah i i gather you can also replace the slabs that you have at the corners with snow layers according to the the same video il mango did is you can, right and that you, increases you, you, the visual range or something it, it keeps the visual range more or less the same i think it it maybe provides like one fewer pixel so that um the the pigmen don't think they can path through the slabs but then oh. they 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 still see you so they still know you're there but they realize that that's not a space they can squeeze through and they carry on moving around uh. and the only thing you, the only thing you have to do then is light it slightly differently so that the snow layers don't melt don't melt of course yeah yeah okay um yeah i mean i, I mean, i've mentioned several times on the podcast that my donut farm is built in the nether so not on top of it but yes. like in in a lava lake so i've always had an issue with it not being like super super fast um yeah. it's certainly fast enough for like for gaining gold and, and experience when you're not at the computer like really 
20 minutes AFK and I'm up to like level 50 something from zero plus all mm-hmm. the gold that comes from that. Uh, yeah. What's nice about it, of course, is that the because they're angry at you, they'll drop their swords and they'll drop ingots and stuff. Whereas like naturally, I don't think that's a, something that happens like you. It, it qualifies as a player kill because they're angry. Whereas if you yes. just, you know, if you if if they died another way, you know, like if you were like p- pushing them with pistons or something like that and they weren't angry at you, then it wouldn't it wouldn't you yield the same bonus drops, yeah. I think. You can um, still use turtle eggs as bait and entity cram them that way, but all you're oh. going to get from that is gold nuggets and rotten uh, flesh. They, they don't right. count as aggroed on the turtle eggs. Right, because you've done that before. That was one of the earlier farms, I think, in the nether. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I, I, I kind of want to eventually build up to doing something like what you've done and building that massive gold farm but in the nether, but I thought that's going to be so much additional work on top of building mm. the farm in the first place that I feel like that's the next stage up from building one on the nether roof is, okay, now we're going to transform this entire section of the nether just so we can build a farm like this. Yeah. And I'll probably end up doing that for my wither skeleton farm as well when I get around to building the crossroads farm like the one you're attempting i'll I'll probably tear out a whole bunch of the nether then as well so it's going to be a lot of work either way i think the uh, the real benefit i think to just the ones that are in the nether it's got nothing to do with extra drops it's not going to benefit you in that way but they 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 look cooler and similar to what we talked about last week there is kind of like that little you know bragging right of like i didn't make this at you know y128 in the sky above the nether after breaking bedrock i put it in a lava lake i had to slab everything like i had to clear all this nether rack i had to do all this stuff just to get it to do you know this kind of rates which does feel like a little bit more uh of a of a notch on the belt you know if that Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense um in terms of because i'm curious because i don't remember this because i've not really worked with drown that often uh do you have to kill the drowned yourself or is it worth it to just have them go into like an auto kill chamber? Uh, you have to kill them to get the stuff they are holding. So if they've got um, tridents and stuff, you do have to have a player kill in order to uh. get a chance of them dropping that. So yeah, in, in terms of tridents, nautilus shells, the stuff that I'm interested in and gold works the same way as iron with uh, zombies. So if you're if you kill a drowned as a player, you get the chance of them dropping a gold ingot. Uh, I don't think they drop carrots and potatoes in the same way that regular zombies do. But um, yeah, that, that that doesn't happen if they are killed by entity cramming or any other means. Right. So you can't really AFK at the drowned farm in as much as you can't have them automatically killed in the background and spawn more. You do have to click on them regularly in order to to clear them out and get more. Yeah, because I, I remember when I found my my zombie spawner in, in the swamp that was going to be going most of the time that I was mining. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was looking at all the different ways that I could potentially turn it into a from a zombie spawner into a drowned farm. But the rates were just so low and you didn't get the stuff that you wanted. You'd have to actually stand there and wait for things. It's like, well, no, it's not it's not worth it. So I wasn't sure that would explain why most drowned farms that I see are ginormous, because you're trying to get the max amount of of mobs and drops because you have to stand there and actively harvest stuff as opposed to being just full-time afk and in java edition drowned converted from zombies don't have any chance of having a trident yes so that you'll find that bedrock edition is for a start they've got tons of tridents anyway because drowned spawn in rivers much more frequently because they're not affected so much by light level um, which doesn't really happen at all on java unless your river is really deep and is usually like a man-made 
uh, mm. expansion of the river. But yeah, you'll find that on on Bedrock Edition, if they want to have a drowned farm and get tons of tridents, all they need to do is rig up a zombie spawner and drown the the the, the subjects of the uh, of the zombie spawner. Whereas on 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 Java, you just can't do that. So uh, yeah, I, I had to resort to building one in a river. You can build them in oceans as well. There are definitely a smaller designs. I'm pretty sure Wattles has one, Tango has one. There's a few other yeah. folks out there who've made drowned farms inside of ocean biomes, but drowned aren't affected by elevation in rivers. They are in oceans, but not in rivers, which is why river biomes are so popular for them because you can remove the mob cap that's surrounding you in an ocean biome. If you have like, caves underneath the surface that are generating other hostile mobs if you can build something up in the sky obviously you avoid that completely so right, that's what yeah. i did with you, my yeah my if you're okay with having yeah if you're okay with having something heavier in the sky then you just build it high enough that the the um mob spawn uh, sphere just doesn't affect it yeah very cool and this thing is ugly as well by the oh. way it's, <laughs> be, yeah. because because i'm tracing the outline of the river biome it looks like a terrible jigsaw piece and <laughs> and luckily i I've, i chose a river that was probably a couple of thousand blocks away from anything else i've built in this world already because i knew this thing was going to be unsightly and a menace but very very good for spawning drowned and i got all three of those things i think <laughs> yeah I, I to me i'd have to be the, a drowned farm is something that i i've been thinking about putting in say like my sci-fi build zone like when i eventually get out there if i can because then you've got like you have like hovering things in the sky it doesn't matter like you could just sure, put yeah. rockets on the bottom of it and call it like hey it's a floating you know retro repulsor lift farm that's what it is mm -hmm. you know like yeah there's all kinds of stuff you can get away with but when you when you're putting it in the same area that you've got like you know your viking village it, it doesn't really mm -hmm. work out it doesn't yeah. really work out not not quite viking technology is it but no. uh let's move on to the news and talk a little bit more about technology especially the technology of reporting bugs this is one of the things we felt was relevant to the news segment this week because once again we don't have any news on updates or any news about minecraft earth a lot of stuff is probably being saved up for uh minecon live when that happens in september so instead uh you wanted to highlight this actually this is a um an article on minecraft.net about uh reporting bugs on the minecraft uh jira which is the the sort of um online database i guess that they use for for user submitted bugs and presumably for dealing with issues in private as well yeah no and and i wanted to highlight this because as a relatively new player to minecraft we'll say like two two and a half years in and not someone that has reported any bugs until just recently when i went to go look for bugs or report bugs myself i found the process very confusing i was wondering because it's got a big mojang logo at the beginning and at the top of the page why i can't log in with my mojang you know, login information is because you have to create a completely different account. I thought, well, that seems silly. Why Why am I not reporting Minecraft bugs with my Minecraft login, you know? Um, but they, you know, that's just the way that it goes. That's the tool that they're using. So, um, and, and they use it to, <clears throat> pardon me, they use it to report bugs on all the different editions, including Minecraft Earth now, Minecraft Bedrock. And the article goes through specific search terms and acronyms and th stuff like that to kind of help you hone in on what you're looking for. Uh, I won't really recap the entire article. It, it's a fairly short read. Uh, I do, when it comes to technical stuff like this, I do wish maybe the Mojang staff would, would lean back a little bit on the fluffy writing and the silliness because it gets it's already a complicated process and it just becomes harder to read and harder to decipher when they're kidding and when they're actually talking about a real bug. Um, 
and uh, so I found that a little bit uh, hard to to digest in the article. But um, they get into some step by steps. They talk about like being sure to make sure that the bug has not been reported already. Uh, they explain how to uh, include a, a bug report. Uh, I also wanted to point this out because more recently in 114.4, uh, we have the new, um, I think it's a debug export log uh, yeah. that, you, that you can attach to uh, and, and, and include with your bug report. So all of this stuff um, helps Moyang become better at locating and tracking and fixing bugs. Uh, and bugs are things that we all complain about in the game. So it felt like with all the ranting that I've been doing <laughs> over the last few weeks, uh, that it would be just as a good balance to point out, like, look, they're being very clear here about where you go, how to do it, and and what the process is. Uh, my one criticism about the the Jira page is how the bugs are worded. I still think that there needs to be kind of a clearer process in terms of like this is happening it is a bug this is how it should behave or something because sometimes it's just like endermen are doing this and there's no context as to like are they supposed to do that are they doing that and it's a new thing or have they always been doing that and it's a problem or like there just there seems to be this lack of uh articulate description that i do yeah. find rather confusing in terms of in terms of how um, how bugs are are reported on and and how things are um, addressed, I also do find that sometimes the responses are problematic. We like somebody reports a bug, and then one of the moderators says, "This is a repeat bug," and they send you a link to something that is even less descriptive. And you're just like, "Well, there's nothing to indicate that these two are related. So how is this? How are you connecting it? And if you're connecting it," you should be explaining why it's an overlapping bug, not just being, because they say in the article, please don't submit a bug and go this broken, you know, like uh, help, you know, like that doesn't help anybody, you know, like be, be as articulated as you can when you're submitting these bugs. But when in their own kind of like in some of the, the comments and some of the internal things on the Jira page, they're doing just that. They're like repeat bug link. And you're just like, but you don't explain <laughs> why and the link that you've posted doesn't explain why and i've i find the whole thing pretty confusing and i'm a pretty technical person like I, you know i've been around a little while i've been on the internet a long time and i i feel like while it's important and it's a good article i think that more improvements are still needed on the jira side to make it um what's the word i'm looking for user friendly yeah yeah i, th I think this is going to be the problem that comes up with any large-scale um user submitted stuff is that for a start the user is the one who sets up the title of the bug report so if it just says like enderman problem that's entirely on whoever's submitted it and it's not i i presume it's not something that they choose to edit even if they have the capacity to edit and clarify what the title of the bug is but obviously that then leads to yeah like you said stuff being linked back to that page and the title itself is not particularly descriptive right out of the gate. So, yeah, the, the users are to blame a little bit there, and I'm not really sure what could be done to clean that up and make it a little bit more immediately apparent what the issue is without you having to read through the entire bug report and the steps to reproduce the issue before you understand what's going on. I also think in terms of the uh, the options that they've they've listed on this uh, bug, bug Us About Bugs article on Minecraft.net um, to... 
you know, encourage people to make bug reports the right way. Step four is please search before creating a report to make sure your issue hasn't already been reported. That should be point number one, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned, because the amount of times, like you said, they are having to close a ticket to just say this is a repeat of something else because people haven't searched or they don't necessarily know how to search. And there is a section underneath those points on the article which tells you how to search for something use search terms use wildcards make sure you're searching within the right version of minecraft all of that is quite helpful and all of that should be the stuff that you get familiar with if you're planning on participating in the minecraft bug reporting system more regularly because that's definitely the stuff that you need to be need to be checking um i think also, a plain language search engine for this jira thing would be way hap- way easier too like it, it's, yeah. it's good that they've got this article and it's good that they're uh you know they're they're outlining the different things that will help you find the things you're looking for faster but n- it needs a glossary like it's you should be able to search for minecraft earth and then insert bug and that should bring it up not mce you know like i'm just maybe a little bit old (laughs) you know maybe i might be dating myself you know with all the different acronyms that people have to remember but i feel like you know like when i go to google and i search for plain language stuff i generally find something in the first five hits right and and i feel like um if you if you want people to search for already reported bugs granted like you said a lot of that depends on what people have named the bugs uh but i i feel like your search engine has to be able to kick out results that people can discern because i'm i'm assuming what's happening is that people are going for uh going to report a bug searching for a bug looking to see that nothing that they have found in their search makes any sense and then submitting their bug right Um, yeah with all the patience of the average internet user right so Mm -hmm. uh you know you have to clarify that stuff i think and uh, the other thing about this is that the Jira mods are all going to be largely volunteers. Obviously, the folks who are the developers on the game, and I imagine a few members of staff, will be monitoring this stuff pretty closely and have the capacity to make moderation, moderation actions and link tickets and that kind of thing. But a lot of people who use this are going to be just like volunteer mods. And not only are they going to be fallible in that respect, so they might be linking stuff which it turns out isn't necessarily related to the ticket in question. They've just misunderstood the problem. But they're also going to have very limited time in which to do that. And that's probably why they haven't left a preamble to say, this is linked to this ticket because. I Mm. feel like a lot of the time they just expect you to do the mental maths involved in that because they've only got five or six minutes to, you know, look through the latest submissions before they have to go ahead with whatever they do for the rest of their day. So, yeah, uh, hopefully this article can lead to some slightly more... I'm going to say precise bug reporting from the community if people were unsure about how to do that. My hope is that it doesn't lead to them getting a ton of new tickets that are just duplicates and reports for stuff that's actually user error just because people now know how to submit bugs and they didn't before. Because, yeah, largely speaking, I imagine the reason that they fluff up some of the language in these Minecraft.net articles is because they presume that kids are going to read them as well, and now the kids are going to be told how to submit bugs. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully it's yeah. all better. We can, we can only hope. Please report bugs responsibly. Yes, that's, that's the message you should take away. Uh, one other quick thing that we wanted to touch on, it's actually going to feed back into our main topic here, is there was a Polygon article the other day uh, that Mark Watson actually retweeted today uh, that I had a look at. It was um, a Polygon article uh, saying the headline being Minecraft is having a big comeback 
in 2019 and the article went into a little bit about the rise in interest in Minecraft lately and what might have fed into that. So that's going to probably take up the majority of our discussion a little bit later on. We even have an email that's related to that. But first, I think we should move on to Chunk Mail and read an email that's related to last week's topic, The Grind. So how about you take this one? Absolutely. Uh, Isaac T has written in and Isaac said, I was listening to the episode The Grind and wanted to write in with my two cents. There are a couple of reasons I do the grind. One, the bragging rights. My friends and I like to see who can dig a bigger hole, plant the most crops, or level the biggest mountain. The second reason, the resources and projects that come with gathering them. For example, when you level a mountain, you need bulk storage for stone, dirt, etc. Then you can use those materials for terraforming or scaffolding. A player can quote unquote grind on a project out for hours and hours and hours as long as you find it fun and fulfilling. Keep up the grind. Uh, and finally, the best reason to grind is, of course, to have time to listen to the spawn chunks. <laughs> so, so no, I, I, you can tell why we read Isaac's email. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, thank you for your time and keep up the great work, Isaac. Uh, Isaac, thanks very much for the response to last flattery, week's... Flattery will get you everywhere, including a spot on this show uh, in, in the email yeah, section. But, exactly. uh, yeah, exactly. You, you kind of mentioned the bragging rights thing earlier when you were talking about your gold farm and just mm -hmm. ha the, having the, the kind of accomplishment and the sense of like, you know the 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 set the sense of being able to brag about yes i did all of this in survival and that 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 vibe is, is something i'm definitely relating to more and more as i'm starting to take on more ambitious projects for my series as well yeah the later in game you get and the bigger things get the more you kind of feel accomplished when you look back at like just how long it's taken to do things and there's something too it's like a satisfying it, it when you look at like a server like i look at the citadel over the last the couple of years and i'm not the only person that builds there there's you know alistair's got a castle matt castes all kinds of stuff he, we we worked in the guardian farm together there's all these big projects that we've done but also the cumulative small projects as they just kind of pile up like someone builds a little house then someone builds a little farm and then there's a little flower garden but once you are walking down the road in your server and you see all of these things together there's this big sense of accomplishment and i think that's something that applies to the grind but in a very finite area right like it's a very solo experience as opposed to a a, a multiplayer experience in terms of like you mm -hmm. know you put in the work or i mean it could potentially be like you know you're working on a very big group project and you all have to clear out a big hole or you're working on some big underground thing and and you guys all have uh the the pride you know at the end of the day uh, but isaac brings up something that i think uh, i touched on briefly last week which is the cascading projects that keeps people from being bored in minecraft a good example is my witch farm found the witch hut farm and i decided to make the witch farm and then i had to do farm storage and then i needed a perimeter and then the perimeter involved a lot of digging so i needed bulk storage and then i had a beacon mine and then i discovered slime chunks and then i needed slime storage so you can see we're just kind of like sometimes just grabbing this one thing and and just letting yourself get into that little bit of a grind will all of a sudden create you know a bunch of other different projects for you so if you find yourself lacking something to do in minecraft like isaac said i say keep up the grind yes I, I kind of agree at this stage and I'm in the business of agreeing because that means more content for me but also <laughs> yeah it's 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 the same with me with you know starting a drowned farm because I want to have tridents regularly and I need tridents for a charged creeper farm that I'm going to build and then the charged creeper farm feeds into the wither skeleton farm and I've got to find ways of connecting those two and like you say like it, it all just feeds back into each other and eventually 
I think I said last week, you end up just being able to stand still as Minecraft happens around you and all of the resources are collected into their individual chests and stuff. But uh, yeah, we haven't quite got that far <laughs> quite yet, but uh, we will see. We'll see. Um, so let's move on to Sky's email because this one relates specifically to the Polygon article and our main discussion topic for this week. Uh, Sky says, Hey guys, my name is Sky. I've been listening to your podcast since episode 40 or so. I actually found it through the Hermitcraft recap and I'm currently binging my way through them all. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but some bigger YouTubers have started to play Minecraft, most notably PewDiePie and Jacksepticeye, and they seem to be thoroughly enjoying their experiences with it. In fact, I was watching Jack recently and he seemed really invested in it and in protecting his dog. You mentioned in one of your previous episodes how you miss the naivety of new players. For example, Jacksepticeye got really excited when he found out that potatoes were in the game. He's Irish, who can blame him? What do you think about all of these bigger YouTubers playing Minecraft? Do you think it is good for the community and the game in general? Thanks for making this really awesome podcast and keep up the hard work. Sky, thank you so much for your email. And that is, as I said, going to feed a little bit into the discussion for this week. And we, I mean, these kind of things come up all the time in, in the Discord and not just on the show, but we have time throughout the week to touch on articles like this or different things like bug reports. Uh, so things like the the things that Isaac brought up and Sky brought up, they happen in our Discord community. And if you're curious about that kind of thing, you can go over to patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. Check out the support at any level. It's usually about the price of a cup of coffee uh, for the month. And that'll get you access to the Discord. And then we can chat about this kind of stuff all week long. I've definitely seen people bringing up um, Minecraft Mondays, which is one of the other things that comes up in the Polygon article is this kind of tournament of celebrity YouTubers playing Minecraft. And I'm not sure if they're playing UHC or if they're doing something like that, but there's this... Um, it, it's kind of a battle royale thing in the same way that Fortnite matches will be played between kind of higher level YouTubers and stuff like huh. that. So It's interesting so, uh, because I, I had someone suggest that a Minecraft Monday would be good to do because we do the Spawn Chunks on Monday. And so I don't miss lead anybody in terms of social media if i post that i'm streaming on twitch and i do hashtag minecraft monday are there certain expectations that are now attached to that that i don't know about like because <laughs> i don't want people tuning in going like why is this guy slabbing the nether i thought he was supposed to be like doing pvp madness because it's minecraft monday yeah i feel like it's a brand that they've sort of developed for themselves around this particular tournament and so yeah, I, I don't know if anybody's going to get particularly confused if they see you slabbing the nether. They're like, oh, right, it's a Monday and you're playing Minecraft. I get it. Like, it's, it's right. not the most the most inventive title, but I think the guy who organizes it used to do, like, a Fortnite Friday. So it's right. kind of the same sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's something that's brought up in this Polygon article, um, which will be linked in the show notes. I'm not going to read out the entire URL here because it's long and full of various like search engine optimization terms that people are going to be searching for but uh I'll, I'll bring out the bullet points here so the article is titled minecraft is having a big comeback in 2019 and it does immediately acknowledge in like the second paragraph it says minecraft this is a quote by the way uh quote minecraft it should be noted has been quietly dominating video games this entire time but things are changing in 2019 minecraft's dominance is no longer out of sight from the mainstream end quote and so it, it goes into a little bit of discussion about how several highly subscribed YouTubers are getting back into the game, either having played previously or are brand new to the game and are just like, well, Minecraft seems to be the hot thing right now, so let me give it a try. Uh, they're hosting tournaments like Minecraft Monday where, you know, celebrity YouTubers and so forth are participating. 
Uh, here's another quote. It's become a running joke, even, at that Fortnite channels are pivoting to Minecraft as interest in the Battle Royale genre seems to be decreasing on social media. And it's interesting that now one of the more popular Battle Royale things is now happening in Minecraft. So maybe it's not a decrease in interest in Battle Royale as a format, but more just in the games which are currently uh, you know, touting Battle Royale as their main game mode. Because Minecraft is so inclusive, Minecraft is a, a whole variety of things, whereas Apex Legends or Fortnite is basically just this Battle Royale mode, even though Fortnite started as something different. Um, so it's kind of funny to me that they say, like, interest in Battle Royale is decreasing, and then the rise in, you know, this Minecraft Monday tournament seems to be focused around the Battle Royale aspect that can be present in Minecraft. Uh, one last quote for you. The game has managed to maintain interest through updates and increased ways to engage with its world. Uh, augmented reality game Minecraft Earth, which is currently in beta, seems to be the only thing capable of putting up a fight against Pokemon Go. Minecraft Dungeons, also announced this year, will bring a Diablo-like experience to a younger audience. Um, the article also goes on to cite nostalgia as a factor. People who've played the game earlier in sort of alpha beta releases got tired of it and now they're coming back almost a decade later so obviously we are of the opinion i believe not wanting to speak for you here joel but from our perspective i don't think minecraft ever really went away <laughs> and 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 saying that it's ha having a comeback right now is a little bit disingenuous to us but i think this is focused on the youtube superstars the people who make a a living on their sort of personality driven content and following trends and just kind of trying out every game that's out there instead of focusing on one game, the depth of the gameplay, the mechanics, the kind of stuff that you and I do when we are typically just Minecraft players and very little else in the grand scheme of things, as far as the YouTube stuff we put out and so forth. Um, so these folks like PewDiePie and so forth are getting back into the game now and generating this kind of surface level hype. But in reality, I feel like Minecraft has been on the rise since sometime last year. Uh, they were showing record numbers of players in 2018. They were beating out Fortnite's monthly average by about 20 million players. Um, like Fortnite had a peak of, I think, 78 million at one point, and Minecraft was doing more like 98. And so people have been playing Minecraft the entire time. It's just that these people are bringing it back into the spotlight. It's getting mainstream attention as a result of it being whatever these quote-unquote trendsetters seem to be playing. How do you feel about this? What do you, what do you, what do you think about these folks uh, bringing Minecraft into the spotlight? Well, and I have a unique kind of perspective here because I was not really even aware of Minecraft when it first came on the scene. Like mm -hmm. it, it might've gotten like, oh, it's a block game. Like I just, passing mention on a podcast I might've been listening to, but, but yeah. did not play it until really late stage 1.12. So like two yeah. and a half years ago. Uh, so I don't have that nostalgia factor. I don't have this, this personal experience of the roller coaster of the up and then the down and then the even keel and then the slow climb sort of thing. And then now with this spike of more, um, kind of surface level popularity that you mentioned, um, I can definitely see from experiencing just a little bit of the game before one thirteen just what the update aquatic did for Minecraft. Yeah. Uh, I think. There was a, a lot of appeal to um, to the average Minecrafter to get back into it. If you were if you were playing but playing very little, then all of a sudden there was a lot more to do, and it was a much different experience. 
there is also uh, a huge uptick I noticed from a lot of the content creators that I follow, things like Hermitcraft, uh, yourself, before you and I were actually even friends. Uh, like you would see a real increase in content creation. Like we're talking about like daily videos or, or, or certainly a few times a week, uh, multiplayer servers, all that kind of stuff. And so I started to see the upswing then. So not in the last six months, you know, but in the last two, two years, year and a half. Yeah. Um, I, I guess one thirteen came out last summer. So a year. Uh, yeah. and so that, like, that's where I start to see the uptick and I, I credit it to the gameplay and how fun it's been, but not just, be, not because I have the experience, but because people that I follow, like, and people that I have now as friends, like yourself, people that I follow in Hermitcraft and other content creators, like decidedly vanilla when it was really busy, um, whip and and um fix it and some other people that we've had on this show they've been playing a lot longer than me and so they're saying "Ooh, this is the most fun that i've had in minecraft in a while and i believe yeah. them because i know that they've been playing for eight years or something uh so i can i can kind of see that i i'm not surprised by by the uptick uh in in the I guess we'll say the popularity of Minecraft, the perceived popularity of Minecraft, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of not, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot of vitriol around games like Fortnite uh, and, and the battle Royale, Royale type PVP games. Uh, they can be kind of salty. And yeah. I think that uh, depending on your age range, a lot of the slightly more adult players might have enough salt in real life and real news that they don't necessarily want more of it in their gameplay. And yeah. I unfortunately can't cite the sources. There were things that kind of fleeted by, but I've, I've noticed some different posts on different websites about uh, gamers being sick of saltiness and not playing these kind of multiplayer games because they can't play for more than a few minutes before getting owned by some rude 13 year old. And just, you know, there was an article recently about uh, the, the number of adults that have been um, uh, verbally, not, well, verbally assaulted, I guess is, I guess the easiest way to put it online, you know, like the, and the, and it's like, well, this is why I don't play video games is because it's a toxic yeah. environment. Uh, you don't tend, it depends greatly, obviously on the content creator and the community surrounding it, but you don't tend to see that stuff, uh, uh associated with Minecraft as often as you see it with other, um, battle Royale games and, and games that this article is comparing Minecraft to in terms of popularity. And, uh, I think there's something to be said for the steadfast, uh, generally family-friendly, certainly in terms of the game content. If you remove content creators from the equation and just look at Minecraft itself, there's certainly something to be said for you're not excluding anybody from the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, if you're playing a, a violent shooter or, or a, a, a game that even if it's not blood and gore, like maybe it's sci-fi lasers and stuff. Uh, it's still kind of a mature content level. Like you don't necessarily want your seven-year-old playing Apex Legends, right? Mm -hmm. But most seven-year-olds quite enjoy Minecraft, you know, <laughs> and, and would get a lot and learn a lot along the way. And I feel like that's, if you can adopt 
you know, your content as a content creator to something like Minecraft and get something out of it, then I think you're going to include a wider audience, which I think is going to benefit everybody. Something else it mentioned in the Polygon article actually is the appeal of it to advertisers because Minecraft is a family-friendly yes. game and mm -hmm. we know that there have been recent issues with the YouTube ad system based on controversies around certain YouTubers and how advertisers didn't want their stuff advertised alongside content that wasn't family friendly hence you know youtube adpocalypse happens and now some of these creators are getting wise to that and potentially looking for slightly more safe content in terms of you know the the content of the game itself regardless of their own reactions to it and so forth they can still be as blue as they like in their commentary uh but they are looking for something that when advertisers see what they're playing they go oh okay minecraft that's fine because that's not got you know somebody shooting somebody else's head off yeah and, that to me yeah. though is unfortunate because like you said they can be as blue as they want in the commentary so now you're kind of misleading and it's just going to be a matter of time before somebody complains about you know the advertisement for a family-friendly product in a family-friendly gaming content stream or, or the game is marked as family friendly but the commentator is not and i yeah. think there's going to be it's just going to be a matter of time before that becomes an issue because if blue or adult content creators are using Minecraft as a way to uh, skirt uh, the a block list for for advertising in terms of the the algorithm saying like, oh, Minecraft is okay for, you know, all ages, uh, then I think that it's just, it's just gonna be a matter of time before people start to realize, oh, okay, yeah, no, see what you're doing there. That's not gonna, that's not gonna fly with us. You know, for example, yeah. like, you know, bigger companies that, that have like a brand to protect uh, will not want to be, you know, associated with certain content creators. So yeah. I, I hope that the content creators that have found, you know, a, a place for Minecraft in their game rotation will proceed with that in mind and know yeah. that because you're playing Minecraft, you're going to attract some younger audience members and maybe you should experiment with, you know, rolling back your, you know, your, your, content to a place that matches the game at yeah. least for when uh, you're I'm, playing that game i'm not i'm not super keen on anybody sort of censoring themselves as a result of this but i i think if nothing else it's if 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 they're considering their own you know ad revenue and stuff like that maybe it's the case where the blame needs to come squarely down on the creator themselves rather than any association being carried with minecraft as a game well you yeah know? and because, that's like yeah that, that's that's the kind of thing that obviously algorithms and stuff aren't necessarily going to pick up on but when it no. comes to individual people having objections about a specific creator that's something that's a, an area in which youtube definitely needs to improve if you know people are going to levy those kind of complaints it's, yeah. it's a tricky it's a tricky thing and we're getting away from what we're we're sort of talking about here it, it's it's the, the 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 wider scope is kind of important but mm -hmm. it's it's interesting to me that there are there are going to be a portion of players who get into Minecraft purely out of curiosity in in the same way that some of these big creators have. They're like, "Oh, Minecraft is a big thing right now. I've never really played it." They get into it, their audiences get into it, and I expect even after these creators have decided that they're no longer interested and they want to go and play something else, that's going to leave a core of their player base who wants to see a little bit more of this game, who's been you know, really compelled by the content, has maybe picked up Minecraft themselves through watching these monolithic creators, 
and they want to know what's under the surface. And I hope that that is what filters down to the rest of the community, is the curiosity about the game, the desire to take mechanics further and building further and that kind of thing. And then they find some of the people who are currently, you know, have been playing Minecraft for a little while, folks like the Hermitcraft folks, folks like me. Um, you know, we are probably benefiting from this in various ways and i know for a fact i get many people coming into my twitch streams and in my youtube comments section mentioning stuff that say pewdiepie has done especially on my woodland mansion video after he raids a woodland mansion i get a ton of people saying well pewdiepie did this and he only had iron armor and a stone sword or whatever mm. and i roll my eyes a little bit at that because I'm making a tutorial for people. I'm trying to encourage them to be cautious and just because this guy runs through it with a stone sword or whatever doesn't mean that you're not going to get your butt handed to you by vindicators. But mm -hmm. um, it's it's interesting to me the impact that these people have, regardless of what you think of them as people or as content creators, how their audiences can impact our own audiences and just the general interest in Minecraft as a whole, really. Well, I think the general interest is ultimately going to end up at a higher tide level, right? Like, I mean, just yeah. regardless of, because the, the, the attention is not negative. It's not like there's something wrong with the game. It's not like there's a big controversy. It's just, it's just an uptick in these very influential, you know, YouTubers, um, picking up Minecraft and ultimately, you know, like as the, the, I can't remember the, the, the term for it, but it's like when, when the, the, the seeds all fall, essentially some of them are going to stick around, right? Roots are going to be planted. And, and like you said, the people are going to, are going to, uh, enjoy it because I don't necessarily think, and I don't want to blanket statement everyone. I'm sure they're going to be, there are going to be some of these giant content creators that do genuinely like Minecraft will continue to play it or certainly play it for a lot longer than they thought they would and find it fun. Uh, one of the quotes from the article was uh, he, PewDiePie, is playing it Minecraft for now because he wants to, not because it's a trend or because it's easily monetizable. This is something that he had mentioned in, in a video explaining why he's playing it. I'm calling total crap on that. Now, it's just my opinion, and I'm not saying it's bad. I think it's simply smart business. Uh, but don't pretend it's not part of the equation. I'm sure he's enjoying the game, but I'm also sure that he's playing it because of the uptick in popularity. You know, like, I don't yeah. think it's an accident that, you know, uh, PewDiePie and a lot of these other content creators are playing it. Um, it's not that they all independently decided, oh, Minecraft looks fun uh, and, and they're going to go do it because it's just going to be fun for them. They're this is what they do for a living. They're absolutely looking at it from a business perspective. Uh, and I, I find it a little troubling when statements like that say, oh, no, 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 I'm playing it because I want to, because it's fun. It's like, no, dude, just play be, play it because it's fun, but also mention that, you know, it, it's it's on an upswing and it's I, I've seen a lot of people talk about it. And I, I find that kind of statement really arming the uh, community that follow these kind of creators to then come into, you know, streams like yours and make comments that kind of drive you nuts because like, they've been given half the picture, right? Yeah. And so I find that a little bit troubling. Uh, but like you said, I think when everything lands, it's going to rise the community to a, a higher level of, of awareness and a higher um, population and bring in some new players, which are going to bring in some new ideas and new creativity and new technical stuff. Like you don't, you don't know what uh, person that's out there that is a game developer that has just never had time for Minecraft and gets 
gets in there because you know some of the popular people that that he or she follows is are playing the game and because they're a very you know technical minded person can come up with some fantastic farms and in, in innovative stuff for the technical community you just never know um it brings me to a quote from mark watson uh it was on a, a thread that i think i even saw you chime in on um on twitter we'll have a link to this in the show notes but i really like what he said in response to uh it's it's you know minecraft is you know being brought up by these YouTubers. And he's like, mm. it had a dip in how much the mainstream was talking about it, but not in players playing it. We were taking on Fortnite's MAU at the top of its hype. This is just turning on the afterburners. It represents the work of a few hundred people over the years. And I think that's perfect. Like that's exactly, yeah. exactly the kind of thing that we want to point at and, and make sure that everybody understands is that Minecraft is not popular because of popular youtubers it's popular because it's playing the long game moyang and the team are are putting in the work and and slowly but surely marching forward you know it's a marathon not a sprint and i think that that speaks to the fact that it's the most popular game around and and that it's um and and to its longevity yeah i completely agree i think um one of the things when i see articles like this or i hear about the rising trend of these larger creators bringing minecraft into the spotlight what i think is how does minecraft in terms of both the game the developers and the player base sustain this feeling and how then do we also deal with it when this feeling inevitably goes away because it's people falling in love with minecraft again and what do you do after that like how do you sustain that relationship again um, and personally, I think Mojang should take a lot of the credit for it, regardless of how well we've been, you know, going on about the game's bugs and how it's performing technically. They've created updates with engaging content. And also, I think largely to blame for this is a unified Bedrock Edition experience, because while we've been tinkering away with Java, Bedrock Edition players can now play across multiple console platforms together, which probably contributes to the experience in a much bigger way than we're able to give it credit for because we don't play Bedrock ourselves. Mm -hmm. But I really think people being able to play from PC, tablet, Xbox, Switch, all of these things coming together from their phones and everything, just, just being able to have everyone contribute to the same world through this variety of devices is has got to be huge for households and they are going to be the ones contributing a large amount to that active player base it's going to be parents playing with their kids kids playing together friends gathering and and all kind of hanging out together playing on realms or whatever that kind of stuff and that's that's all happened really in the last couple of years like the better together update happened probably slightly before the update aquatic if i remember correctly but that was the time at which everybody started playing minecraft on bedrock edition as a sort of unified platform and that's got to be huge for the profile of minecraft rising over the last few years as well as as the article says stuff like minecraft earth minecraft dungeons all of that stuff being in the pipeline and and renewing the interest in minecraft as a world rather than as just the core game experience mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting to me so when the game maybe declines in popularity again like you said there is a higher tideline there is a, a point at which you know the the player base sustains itself at a a baseline level that is probably higher than it was when we came in and i think minecraft now has this 10-year history that we can point to its previous peaks and and lows of popularity and say this has happened before so there's always a chance it will happen again a couple of years time people who grew up with minecraft now uh, might well be feeling nostalgic and come back to the game then and, and so much else will have changed 
it's going to be interesting to see as the game rolls forward how it handles that feeling of generations playing this game especially if they plan to keep it going for as long as we've heard them say they do mm. it's it's going to be really neat when grandparents who started playing in alpha and beta versions of minecraft are playing minecraft with their kids in a few decades time yeah really though i think you're asking about like you know how how can the community kind of keep that going forward or how can you sustain that kind of player base and i think it falls on uh, the communities that rise up around the game. Uh, they, you know, you and I have certainly learned from the community that has uh, sprung up around the spawn chunks. Uh, while I will not uh, shy away from saying that you and I do a good podcast together, it's about Minecraft. And part of the reason that it's it, it was able to springboard to uh, the level that it's at within the first year is because it's about Minecraft. Uh, and, and it's a popular game and it, it brings in a certain... Um, listenership uh in terms of like personalities and and um welcoming and all that kind of stuff i've noticed it in my own community speaking of those kind of communities one of the first online communities that i was part of was uh the frog pants podcast community which was centered around the instance uh, a popular show about the world of warcraft and world of warcraft has the same kind of communities it's these close-knit game player or uh, gamers that love the game that love hanging out with each other and doing multiplayer things and achieving goals there's a right back to the grind you know like there's a certain level of of um pride that comes from beating dungeons and and winning raids as a team in in minecraft and i think that that speaks to the longevity because i i want to say that mark even mentioned in one of these threads he even referenced world of warcraft because it has the same sort of like you know longevity and and peaks and valleys because i've been i've played world of warcraft and i had for like six or seven years and it like there were certain times when i hardly played at all and then a new expansion would come out or something would happen and the gameplay would change or it would just become more accessible to more people and then it would start to uh, peak in popularity again and um you know, I feel like that's the kind of thing we can probably expect. It's never going to be just a, a, a constant climb. Uh, there's going to be some flat lines. There might even be some dips. But I think if the community uh, that surrounds, you know, Minecraft goes forward in the way that I've witnessed it um, over the last of the while, then I, I think that that Mojang and Minecraft are, are in it for the long haul. I certainly hope so at this point because, you know, we've got a year's worth of podcasting under our belt and I want to keep doing this for a while. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and uh, I want to keep doing this podcast for a while, but it is probably going to have to wrap up there, folks. So please do let us know in the email inbox if you folks have anything to chip in with regards to the rising popularity of Minecraft. What would you attribute it to? Do you think all of these big YouTubers are to blame? Do you think it's a... Uh, a gradual rise in the quality of the content. How do you feel like this stuff has been impacted? We would love to hear from you. But that is going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the things we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud, as always, to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, consider putting some value back in at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. There you can join our community. Pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next goal, bringing the Chunk Mail Dispenser segment back into the show. We're currently sitting at 109 patrons, which is down a few from last week, but it's the beginning of the month. Sometimes people end their pledges at the end of the month, and we get some new people joining on board. We'd be happy to have you. And of course, special thanks to our content engineer patrons, JD Williamson, Llamas, and Yitz for supporting this episode. 
Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Server mates, friends, family members, everyone, just tell them, hey, you're new to the game. You've just come over from watching this giant YouTuber uh, talk about Minecraft and you want a, another place that you can listen to it? Tell them about the Spawn Chunks. It makes worlds of difference and we would really appreciate it. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube as well if that's where you hang your podcasting hat. The RSS feed is on thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, which is where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide series three days a week on Twitch, and I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. I'm very easy to find, just my name across all social media, including Twitch, and that is where I stream Minecraft. I am hopefully going to be jumping on to Infinity Cove, my patron-only uh, Minecraft server and community server, to check out what all the fun people have been doing there this week. So check that out at twitch.tv slash joelduggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and we've been here for years. Music.